In Arabia, where there is water, life flourishes. Without water, however, Saudi Arabia is a barren desert. This was the land that Lehi's family faced as they traveled from west to east. This was an extremely difficult journey. There were times that they had no way of starting a fire, and so they had to eat their meat raw. Across this land is where Joseph and Jacob, Lehi's and Sarah's two sons, were born. Finally, after an exhausting eight years of suffering, they arrived in a beautiful land they soon called Bountiful. It was along a seashore. There were plentiful fruits and wild honey. There was a hospitable beach and nearby mountains. Lehi and his family must have thought they had finally reached their land of promise. But after only a short time, God informed Nephi that before they could inherit their land of promise, they had to build a ship and cross the great ocean. It must have taken incredible faith for the family to build a ship, leave this beautiful beachside resort, and face the dangers of the deep water that lay in their path. This is Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon. And we're your hosts. I'm Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And we're so pleased that you would join us today. Um, Andrew, what is the land of promise? And who was it promised to? <laughs> well, well, that's an interesting question. I think um, there's been several different lands of promise that we can talk about, but we're talking about the Book of Mormon. So we're probably not talking about Abraham and his land of promise, although it might relate, right? And that's right. And and the Jews have a land of promise, which is Israel. Yeah. For Nephi, when he came to America, that was his land of promise. We don't know exactly where it was that Lehi landed in the Americas. We know it was somewhere in the Americas, but we're not sure of the exact place. But we do know that this was their land of promise. You think when Lehi and his family left Jerusalem, they had any idea where they would end up? I don't think they had any clue. <laughs> God obviously knew where he was sending them. They wandered wondering, where are we going? We're marching through this desert, and now we get to this ocean. Yeah. And the Liahona says, go out that way. Go <laughs> That's wet. <laughs> so they were, yeah, they were probably like, where are we headed? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that it was a desperate situation. And finally, God revealed to Nephi, and he said, and inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper, and ye shall be led to a land of promise, yea, even a land which I have prepared for you, yea, a land which is choice above all other lands. And so at that point, Nephi knew they were going somewhere special. Yeah. Well, and why is it choice above other lands? And how did God prepare? And what's so special about this land? This is a special land with lots of natural resources and yeah. beautiful scenery and rich soil for growing crops. But you could also say, and I definitely think this land is choice as far as the natural resources and things like that. And that's pro that probably was part of it. But I also think it's a, a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because God's saying to him, if you keep my commandments... This land will be choice. That's right. And so by keeping the commandments, it, it kind of makes the land choice. Yeah. And God unquestionably 
promised this precious land to Nephi. But reading between the lines, he didn't promise it to Nephi exclusively. Yeah. This is a land of promise for what other peoples? There's there's several groups that we could talk about. The first thing that comes to my mind is the Jaredites, because they were here even before Nephi, and it yeah. was a choice, precious land for them, too. Can we read that? In Ether chapter 2, verse 10, God said, This is a land which is choice above all other lands. Wherefore, he that doth possess it shall serve God or shall be swept off, for it is the everlasting decree of God. Wow. Everlasting decree. Yeah. Um, This is a land of promise for the Nephites, for the Jaredites, for the Lamanites, for the Zoramites, yeah. For Mule- the people of Mulek. For the pilgrims. Yeah. For the Quakers. And for many others. And for us. And for us. It is a land of promise. Now, it's interesting because we talk about a land of promise, but I think it might be more accurate to call this a land of covenant. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, I think that they're pretty similar, obviously. I think a covenant is like a promise. But it's a two-way promise. I could promise you something, but if we're covenanting, you're, I'm promising you something, and you're promising me something in return, right? God promises this land on what conditions? If we keep his commandments. That's exactly for righteous. Right. Yeah. So it is a land of promise, but it's also a covenant land, a land of covenant. And I do think that's interesting that it says, He that possesses it shall serve God or shall be swept off. So... It's this promise, and it's an everlasting decree. So it's for all people in this land. If we're righteous, this land's going to be blessed for us. And if yeah. we're not righteous, it's we're going to be swept off. And that's for everyone. When Lehi was teaching his sons, and he was bidding farewell to them because he knew he was about to pass away, he said to them, The Lord hath covenanted this land unto me and to my children forever. And then he paused, and he thought a little further, and then he added, and also all those who should be led out of other countries by the hand of the Lord. That's in Second Nephi one five. So he recognized it was a covenant land. It was given to him by covenant. But there would be other people who would be brought to this land. Yeah. For them, it would be their land of promise also. Yeah, it really is. We've had such just abundance and prosperity in America. But... You know, it could be taken from us. What is the application? What do we, what can, can we realize? Yeah, I think that's really the application is we need to realize two things. One, if we're righteous, we can have prosperity, a nation as people. And, and that's great. But the other thing we have to realize is if we're not, if we choose to disobey or if we fall astray from what God wants us to be doing, we can be punished. We can be swept off. Yeah. So that's scary. Especially today, when you look around the world and how wicked it is, and those in the uh, in the Americas are not keeping the commandments, and we wonder how long we can wait mm-hmm. before we'll be swept off of this land. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's there are definitely good people too, though, and it's just like what what's the balance? How what percentage do we have to have <laughs> being yeah. righteous? Are we close? I feel like we're close. Yeah. In Mosiah 29.7, we're told that if the people ever choose, and that's just not individuals, but if the people ever choose iniquity over righteousness, they will be removed from this land. So we wonder if that's more than half. Yeah, I don't know. 
hopefully we can do our part to uh, encourage others around us. Paul mentions a phrase that I really like. He says, he says to provoke others to love. (laughs) And provoke is kind of a bad term usually, but you know, if we can kind of push others and say, Hey, be righteous, be good and and, and into good works. And those are especially our families and our communities around us. If we can just encourage others to do good and keep it righteous, I think, I don't think we have to be swept off. Right. Well, and that's speaking of keeping his commandments. It's kind of, an interesting concept because what does it mean exactly keep his commandments? Because obviously there's times that even if you're trying to keep the commandments, you sin and you can repent, but you know, we're not always keeping his commandments. That's true. That's true. I, th- I think it's a general term that his, his people try to keep the commandments. Mm-hmm. Are there any examples of people who didn't keep the commandments who have been swept off of this land? Oh, definitely. There, that's happened several times, too. What, what are examples so that you can the, think of? The Jaredites is number one. <laughs> <laughs> they were kind of wiped out except for... Coriander. Coriander. <laughs> yeah. So the Jaredites were wiped off of this land? Yeah, and then the Nephites themselves, uh, at the time of Christ's appearance in the, the Americas, yeah, the Neph- many Nephites and Lamanites were destroyed. Some of them obviously survived. Swept off of this land. Yeah, whole lands just sunk under the ocean. Only the righteous remained. But after 500 years, these people became wicked. And because of the wars, the Lamanites completely destroyed the Nephite civilization. So God keeps his commitment. <laughs> yeah. He keeps his promises. As long as you keep the commandments, you're safe. But if you as a people begin to break the commandments, mm-hmm. then you have to prepare for God to keep his other part of that promise, which is you'll be swept off. And perhaps the land will be preserved for those who are keeping the commandments. It's a good incentive to try to <laughs> keep the commandments because we don't want to be part of those who will be swept off of this continent. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Next time, we'll talk about Nephi's amazing talent for writing poetry. Until then, enjoy your reading.